coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. When you get in trouble and Grandma Ma says, go out and get a switch that I'm gonna beat you with. So my advice is call the hotline or find somebody you can talk to. What happens with a lot of these things is it's pride. They just can't get themselves to admit that I need help. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one a nope. token black person. A token and there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just say thank you for being so good to us, God. God, thank you for all your grace and your mercy, and the fact that I had opportunity to go home and visit with my mother this past weekend, talk to my brother, talk to my sister, all is well, God. Talk to my in-laws, saw them. It's nothing like family. It's nothing like family. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Dearly Father, just thank you for this week, all the events that have gone on, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank you for your hand in all three of those. And uh, thank you for making it abundantly clear the direction you want me to go uh, with my political career. Thank you for my supportive wife and family and my friends. And uh, let us have a, a good podcast and a good rest of the week. Amen. Bill, a lot is going on since the last show. And let's start off with some good news. Let's let's go with some good news. I saw our favorite college football coach, or I would say, like we used to call Rudy Giuliani, and we'll talk about that later, America's mayor. Let's say America's football coach for now, Dion Primetime Sanders. And I saw an interview that he did on 60 Minutes. And, you know, it just talks about, for lack of a better word, it's almost like let's take the high road. You know, Bill, taking the high road is so hard sometimes because sometimes when one takes the high road, people see it as giving up. Other people see it as, Odell, you're not fighting back. I think Michelle Obama said that when they go low, we go high. And something Deion Sanders happened because, as you know, Deion Sanders' team won against their arch rival, the Colorado State team, last week. And some stuff happened, Bill. One of the things that happened is that his star, one of his star players got hurt in what many would call a cheap shot. Others say no, but looking at it, it looks like a cheap shot. And one of the things that the young man, he his name was Henry Blackburn, and he played for Colorado State. 
And people were giving him death threats. And when Deion Sanders found out about it, Deion said this during his press conference this week, said Henry Blackburn is a good player who played a phenomenal game. Sanders said Tuesday, he made a tremendous hit on Travis on the sideline. You could call it dirty. You could call it. He was just playing the game of football. Whatever it was, it doesn't constitute that he should be receiving death threats. That's this still a young man trying to make it in life. A guy that's trying to live his dream and hopefully graduate with honors or degree committed to excellence and going to the NFL. He does not deserve a death threat over a game. And, you know, when Dion said that, it's almost like, wow, it'd be so easy for him to say, yeah, it was a cheap shot, yada, yada, yada. But in the middle of all the, the, the prime time and all the bluster and all the stuff that some people may be irritated with Dion with, it's always two or three sides to a person, Bill. And another thing he did that just made me so happy is that, you know, Colorado Buffaloes have a super fan. Her name is Peggy Kopman. She's 98 years old. And after the game, he gave her the game ball. And then she was saying something like, hey, what should I call you? And she said something, Bill, that made me laugh, too. She said, good looking. So here it is, a 98-year-old white woman looking at Deion Sanders saying, should I call you Coach Prime, call you whatever? He said, call me whatever you want to. And she looked at him and said, just good looking. And then she said something. She said, she must have been listening to our podcast. I guess, you know, because I didn't know to get offended or not. But I'm like, you know, let Dion have the shine. How, you know? come, how come good looking only seems to show up for black men? No, I, don't know. I don't know, Bill. Hey, don't <laughs> don't hate the player. Hate the game. You know, I don't know. But then the 98 year old said, play me my theme song. So, Bill, what's your theme song going forward? What's your Ooh, theme? That's song? a great question. That's a great question. I got to think about that. I don't know. There's so many options. <laughs> There's so many options. I think it depends on my mood of the day. <laughs> well, obviously, you are in a good mood. You've been having interviews and everything else. But guess who else been having interviews? That doggone Merrick Garland. People don't know who Merrick Garland is, Bill. Merrick Garland, just a, a quick, quick. And I know you said, oh, now you're always talking about everything going on. And I'm like, no. Merrick Garland was the gentleman that our senator denied the right to be nominated or hearing with President Obama. Remember back in 2016, seven years ago? That's where, in my opinion, a lot of this started spinning. When McConnell, Mitch McConnell, didn't allow him to be even a hearing on him. But don't want to go down that rabbit trail. So now, seven years later, Attorney General Merrick Garland went through the interview with Jim Jordan, the chairman of the, you know, House Judiciary Committee chair. And let's go back on how's he the chairman, because he made a deal with Speaker Kevin McCarthy that I won't challenge you to be the Speaker of the House. But what I want is this. I want to be the House Judiciary Committee chair because that way I could go after everybody on investigations. What do you think about the deal between Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy, Bill? Shady, shady, shady. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. I can say, you know, they years ago, there used to be these cartoons with these 
big old fat guys smoking cigars in the back room making deals. Ah. Well, we don't have big old fat guys anymore. We just got people out in the public making deals and thinking we we don't notice. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to a little bit of it. I've been busy, so I haven't listened to all of it. But the part that I did listen, one of the congressmen was Jim Jordan was leaving the the room after he made his statement and they're grilling Garland. And uh, one congressman called out Jim Jordan. He said, that man that's leaving the room now that's supposed to be the chairman here, he has a subpoena asking him to testify and provide documents that's 500 days old. Wow. When is he, as the head of the Judiciary Committee, going to honor a subpoena? Mm. And I'm thinking, do you think if somebody subpoenaed you, you could get away with 500 days? No, you know. I don't think so, but I'm of the belief of the two-tier justice system, you know, and one of the things that Jim Jordan yelled out today, you know, he was giving Garland a hard time and he says, you know, you shielded uh, Hunter Biden and you shielded this and you made this didn't happen. He said, and you wonder why four out of five Americans believe there's a two standard of justice in this great country. And I'm like, we now have two standards of justice. I'm like, Come on, Jim, man, we've been had the two-tier justice system. What are you talking about? But it's just people spin it the way they want it spun. And right now, we're, this country is going through a situation where if folks feel that they're denied something, you don't know anything about this, but let me just say, someone may feel they were denied a seat on some board. And the other party's like, oh, no, we're going to get you back. So now all of a sudden, you have... Attorney General Merrick Garland, who was, should have been the Supreme Court Justice. He should have been the Supreme Court Justice, Bill. He was nominated by President Obama in 2016. And your boy said, no, 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 we're not even going to hear it. So it's almost like, and I don't know, this is a South Carolina term, Bill. You don't know nothing about this. This is black folk in South Carolina, Geechee Gullah. When you get in trouble and Grandma Ma says, go out and get a switch that I'm going to beat you with. Like a light switch? Not a light switch, a switch. <laughs> like like you go to a tree and you get get a switch. A like, nice green one that bends. A nice green one. Did y'all do that in Ohio? We didn't do switches. Wooden spoons, belts, those were the biggies. Okay, a wooden uh, spoon. A wooden spoon, belts, and maybe a broom. Because a broom, uh, they could reach you, you know, get to you for closer. You didn't have to be in close range. Well. Oh, my Uncle Eugene's cane we grew up knowing the range of that cane he couldn't move fast but his cane was quick so, so and he if we did something next thing you know whack you get so bill you got hit with a broomstick a cane and a wooden spoon and what was the other thing a belt and a belt yep well in south carolina in the dirt roads of south carolina it was like go outside and get your switch and bring it back in here so I could beat you with Oh, it. you had to go pick it out, too? That's what I'm saying. You oh, see, you're not God. understanding the oh, concept. No. How silly is that for oh someone to send me out to the bush yeah. to get a stick and bring it back and for me to get beat with the stick and thinking that I'm going to stand still while they whip me <laughs> with the stick that I went out to get. Well, so I, you know what I you get do. A, I get a stick that was so weak. I, no, 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 no. That'd get you in trouble because then they'll go out and get the switch. So this was a strategy. Oh, there was a strategy. It's a strategy. It's a strategy because, you know, it's like all political strategy. It's a strategy. You go out and you get two of them. You get one that is big enough to be acceptable 
but it's not strong. Kind of like some of our old political leaders now. They look like they're strong, Bill, but they're not strong. But from afar, you get it and you, you know, polish it up. You put a blue suit on, a white shirt and a, a red tie. You know, they look like they're strong. So I would get a switch that looked like a tall, long switch, but it was a young switch and it was weak. You know the difference between something once it grows and gets strong. Mm -hmm. And then I get a short one that was a little better, but not as long. And she would always pick the long one, you know, because the long one looked big. You know, sometimes it's just like sometimes we look at politicians and we look at him say, boy, he looks like he's the one. But he ain't the one because the oil didn't flow when he came in the room. See, when you went to Jesse's house and you asked the question, how many sons do you have? Because I was told that somebody here is a leader and you go and you bring this one in, you bring that one in, and the oil don't flow, but they look like it. And then the prophet says, do you have one other son? Do you have any more sons? Yes, I have another one over there, you know, tending the sheep out there on the backside of the pastor. And he said, well, can you bring that one in? And that's when the oil flows. So the, the whole essence of if God sends one to be a leader, the oil flows, things get done, people respond. That's part of the system. But when man says, well, I like this one because it look a certain way, that's that switch. You know, a switch like a stick, but the switch like switcheroo. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in our politics, it's switcheroo. <laughs> you know, it's like switcheroo. It's like the shell game. Yeah. Let me show you somebody who look like they're qualified, who we want to be qualified, but they're not qualified, but we're going to make them qualified. And then you find out when push comes to shove and the pressure comes and grandma start beating you with that switch. The switch breaks because well, the switch ain't strong yeah, enough. Here's how I view people that perform or people that get things done. If you want to get something done, look for a very busy person mm. because they're busy getting things done. Got it. And many times when you go to them and say, hey, can you take this on? And, oh, man, I got my plate's full. I can't do it. Let's go. But, but if they decide to do it, you know it's going to get done. So if you're going to look at a politician – Look at the backstory. What have they done? Have they run a business? Have they had to make payroll? Have they have to read a P&L? Have they negotiate contracts with people? Or have they changed tires? Well, since we're talking about switches here, when they say go pick your own switch, they're saying basically the gist of it is that you have to pick a long slender branch from a tree or a bush and give it to your caretaker, i.e. mama, grandmama, for them to lash you across your legs. Then it says, if I tried to block the switch, if I tried to block the lashing bill with my wrist, she would whip me even harder. <laughs> Not everyone has the same experience, but with it, I remember it being pretty brutal. How old were you when this happened? Oh, man, I was getting whipped and we didn't call it whip. Black people say you're going to get a beaten. Yeah. You wasn't going to get a whip. We get a beaten. <laughs> Bill, I got beatings until I was probably 13, last, 14, 15 years old. Last man. year, right? Yeah. Last year, listen, listen, just it, it's just it, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so when you look at it from that perspective, we have to always remember that when someone asks you to go pick out your own switch, it's not going to work. 
we even use a term in South Carolina called even Stevens. Have you ever heard that that before? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Tell me from Ohio perspective, what does even Steven mean? Not an eye for an eye. I'm gonna come and <laughs> get you. I'm gonna come and get you. You come, come and get you. Today, baby. <laughs> Guys, he's coming in hot today. We're gonna take you out. You mess with me. I'm gonna send Mama Bear in and she's gonna mess with you. So, so what you're saying, if you come for me. You better bring your lunch. Yeah, you better bring your lunch because you're going. You're going to be packing when you're ready. <laughs> dog, go, dog, go, dog, go, go. You know, you know. Here's the thing. Yes, as you're younger, you want to get even. You want to make people realize how idiotic they are, and you're right. As you get older, you don't dwell in that world. Some people do if they don't mature, but as I've gotten older, I don't dwell in that mm-hmm. world. My world is I'm going to do the right thing and keep going. And if people are taking shots at me, that's fine. And uh, but as you mentioned a lot, podcasts you do keep receipts. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and so as you go on, and that opportunity comes where you have an opportunity to get back at them, you can do one of two things. One, you can get back at them. Mm. Okay. And the other thing is you can be more Christ-like and let them know that you can get back at them and say, "I forgive you." So that's shooting across people's bow. I mean, that's a term I've heard. Someone shot across your bow, meaning that in the old days of pirate ships, if they're out there and the cannon is shot across the bow of a ship, it said, I could have hit you if I wanted to. Right. I could have destroyed you if I wanted to. I could have taken this issue further legally if I wanted to, but I choose to take the high road and not to. Yeah. Give you an example. I I read a story about a man that had a, his own business mm-hmm. and his CFO was running the finances and he found out that his CFO was misappropriating funds. Stealing. We, we call it st- in the black community. We call you all use terms like embezzlement and misappropriating funds. We call it stealing. Is that the same thing you're talking about? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, good, pretty good, much. Good. All right. So he decided and uh, he called in his lawyers and, and the uh, officials, police officers and stuff. They did an investigation. Sure enough, they found that he was doing it. So the police said, well, well, we'll file a complaint. You can file a complaint. You can prosecute him. And then he'll probably go to jail. And he, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. And he said, what are you going to do? And they said, well, I'm going to bring him in one-on-one and confront him with this. And if he's willing to admit it and be remorseful and pay back the money, I was waiting for the payback the money part. Payback I was waiting money. for the money part. Okay, payback good. the money. All right. I'm going to leave him as my CFO. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pimpin. Wait a minute, Gobo. Wait a minute, Gobo. These, these are black. Uh, these white guys, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> this, this white people stop. Okay. Go ahead. White so, people stop. Go ahead. Well, the guy was remorseful, asked for forgiveness, and uh, said that he would honor that. Okay. And, uh, he also said that uh, he felt that the guy's wife should know about what's going on. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah. So they agreed that they would bring the man's wife in and let her hear all this in front of her husband and let her know that he has got to go straight and narrow and repay the money. What you talking about, Willis? You ever heard that term before? Mm-mm. Okay. What you talking about, Willis, is was on this TV show a long time ago. I think it called different strokes or something like that. And it was rich white guys who adopted two poor black kids. 
and Willis was one of them. And uh, the other one was a little short guy, I forgot his name, uh, Arnold or something like that. But that's a term that black people like say, what you talking about, Willis? That's, that's, <laughs> that's a way like what you always say, shaking my head. Yeah. Because this story that you're describing is like, uh, okay, I know it's believable because you're saying it. But when you said, I'm going to bring your wife in, it's like, uh, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason he brought his wife in was his wife would keep him straight and narrow. Mm. And so that sure enough, they did that. And he became the best employee he ever had. Wow. He said he never screwed up again. He came in early, stayed late. He worked hard. He repaid everything. He was loyal to a T and we forgot about the whole thing. So people can change. And uh -huh. sometimes now, what was the other option? Put him through the legal system and he'd probably be incarcerated. And that would cause all kinds of problems. We had a friend, a uh, mutual friend that committed suicide last week. Oh, sorry to hear yeah, that, Bill. And, and he, he sorry was to hear that. caught up. In, I don't know all the details, but he was a young man. He got caught up in uh, IRS and we found out he had a couple different families and and he was, you know, just working like a dog to get the bills. And then he uh, kept saying to somebody, hey, I've got something that's going to solve all my wow. financial problems. So you know what he did? He invested in Bitcoin. He invested in that guy that got blown up and his whole Ponzi scheme got blown up. Oh, yeah. Bernard yeah, yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He put hundreds of thousands of dollars in and mm. it's gone. You know, you start thinking about what would you do in a situation like that? How desperate must you be to end your life over not being able to pay your bills or maybe even lying to people? Is that worth suicide? That's a very powerful question. And since I'm not a licensed counselor, I don't know. But but let me say this. Is it mental illness or a situation where someone is so got caught in situation is like, there's no way out. So this is the only way out. I've heard of individuals who go and do mass shootings. And then when the authorities arrive, the police arrive, they're like, okay, I'm gonna take my own life. I heard about a situation just the other day where a, a husband came and killed his wife and then turned around and killed himself. I heard about stuff like that. And it's sad, Bill. It's sad. But even more than that, it's a permanent solution to a short-term situation. Look at all the people that are affected. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because a lot of times when you wake up in the morning, this is my Odell's philosophy. Since I've been broke and poor and, and disappointed for much, much of my young life, I'm like, if I could just live to see the next day. That was my mantra when I was very young. If I could just live to see the next day. If I could live to see the next day. If I could live to see the next day. Usually the next day comes. So far in my 63 years of living, the next day never didn't come. Now, do I have to face things the next day? Yes. Back to the situation where go get your own switch. People said, okay, nothing worse than I'm going to give you a beating later on. When I get home, my grandfather, when I get home, you're going to get a beating. Or later on, I'm going to get. So you're sitting there with the pressure on you that, you know what? I'm going to get my behind toe up later on. I know I'm getting my behind toe up. <laughs> and then the mistake is, Bill, that sometimes you forget and think they forgot and you go to sleep. 
And then you woke you 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 awaken because a belt hitting you, you know, and and you 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 ain't ready for the belt, so you have to wake up like am I dreaming? And then you realize what's happening, and so you jumping up trying to protect yourself because the belt's coming at you. And then all of a sudden, I grab my grandfather, big tall guy, grab his legs, and then he get mad because the belt would he try to hit me and he hit himself. Then he's like, now nah, you made me hit me. Well, what do you expect me to do? <laughs> so what do you expect someone who's going through a lot of challenges to do? We would hope that they would have someone to talk to first. We would hope that they have a professional person to talk to. We would hope that, but hope doesn't always work out. Yeah, well, if anybody that's listening to this podcast is considering that, reach out to someone. Now, that'd be a hard thing to say because you've probably got some pride and you don't want to admit your failures. And... uh but those failures can be turned into positive things. And there's no way your lens is letting you see that. So my advice is call the hotline or find somebody you can talk to. What happens with a lot of these things is it's pride. They just can't get themselves to admit that I need help, mm. that I need to talk to somebody, that I've made mistakes. My goodness gracious, we all make mistakes. The only one guy I know didn't make mistakes and I don't know about you, Odell, but I learn by my mistakes more than I do anything else. I bumped my head a couple of times, but you talk about people being resilient, though, Bill. Yes. Easier said than done. It is. It is a lot easier said than done. It's kind of like losing weight. It's easy to say, but oh, hard yeah. to do. Listen, listen, listen. I've You talk to someone who's lost 60 some odd pounds and I'm proud of you. kept it off. Thank you. And the thing about it is people ask and I don't. Guys, don't worry about it. I'm not going down the Odell lost weight trail. But but people say, who haven't seen me aside, say, I didn't recognize you. And that was the kind of crazy thing about it when people like, they didn't recognize me. And then another thing people say. Well, that, that could be kind of good. Well, well, another thing they say is, uh, are you sick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, no, it's something wrong. They <laughs> yeah, said there's something yeah. wrong. You know, do you have cancer or there's yeah. something wrong with you? I said, no, no. Then the question is, well, to your point of being hard, what made you decide to take on this hard thing? And I'm like, it was just time. It was just time. And I guess what I want to say, but I don't because I'm trying to be polite, is that I was sick when I was running around 60, 70, 80, 100 pounds overweight. That's when I was sick because I was getting to the point where my body would not have handled it. And I know that trying to move into my late 60s, early 70s. So I want to be around. But back to that whole piece, though, Bill, about looking for help. Right now, Speaker Kevin McCarthy is trying to convene the House Republicans so we don't have a shutdown, trying to get a budget passed, trying to get all that done. But Representative Matt, <laughs> my, my, my man from Florida, is a gangster. He's always there. They said they found a discarded draft on the baby changing table in the men's restroom beneath the chamber and said that, you know, declaring the office of the Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant. And the draft is dated September the 23rd. How can people declare a seat is vacant, Bill, with someone sitting in the seat? Well, I don't know. I've seen it done. <laughs> I've seen it done to me. Uh, I'll tell you what, you can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. I mean, you know, but but good news, people, good news. My Shiro, Nancy Pelosi, 
You know, my Shiro, 83 years old. She says she's going to oh run gosh. again. She's ready to run for president. I mean, you know, a young guy. Oh, listen, listen, listen. Nancy says that <laughs> this is what she said in her speech. Our country needs America to show the world that our flag is still here with liberty and justice for all. That's why I'm running for reelection and respectfully ask for your vote. That's Nancy. It's like you go, girl. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say that loud as a Republican. Gonna, now, cause a lot gonna, of my Republican friends don't like Nancy Pelosi. She's, now she's going to be in a, one of those scooters and, uh, That'd be fun. Well, well, you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but since you said it, I'm going to say, you know, something. her and Mitch McConnell could, could have races down the hall on their scooters. I wasn't going to say anything, but since you said something, I'm going to say something. <laughs> According to reports, Mitch McConnell, my boy, Mitch said one of his proudest moments is when he looked President Obama in the eye and said, Mr. President, you will not get this nominee for Supreme Court justice. Like Mitch, what, what what was it against Obama? But but Bill say, oh, they'll leave that alone. Leave Mitch alone, Odell. Don't go down that rabbit trail. You shouldn't pick on old people. Okay, okay. <laughs> so my my zero Nancy's going. But speaking of something else, though, man, you know, in the state of North Carolina, in our proud state, yeah, we got a lot going on. Yeah, we got a lot going on. And the GOP leaders in Raleigh, some of them I know personally, did some things to. I call it the far reaching arm of the long arm of the law. So they did some to a local neighborhood, that community that's close to where I live, Summerfield, North Carolina. And they reached in and said, you're going to do some things. And I was reading about this and a good friend of mine, you know, Sheriff B.J. Barnes, he said something to I like that's BJ. funny. I like BJ. I like BJ too, but he said something that's sure. funny referring to Ronald Reagan. He said, because people were saying, well, somebody must have gave somebody some money and made a donation to their cause. And BJ said, hey, he said like Ronald Reagan, Reagan says, if they give me money, it's because they agree with the way I think and not the other way around. So that's just kind of, you know, how you look at it, because people get on me all the time. Oh, you say all the time you like Ronald Reagan. Why do you like Ronald Reagan? Let me tell you why I like Reagan. Now, I know Reagan did a bunch of crazy stuff, you know, and he's governor, talked about black people, welfare queens and all that. I get all that. But, Bill, I'm of the essence that I don't have to like everything about somebody to like certain things about somebody. So, you know, you have Tim Scott, Tim Scott's black Republican from Charleston, South Carolina, running for president. And Tim went to Iowa and Tim said, hey, someone asked Tim, what do you think about the auto workers, United Auto Workers strike? And Tim said, fire them all, fire them all. You know, Ronald Reagan, fire them all. And I'm like, Tim, first thing, my brother, <laughs> you did a horrible job in the first, because I was a big fan of Tim's. You did a horrible job in the first debate. You were scripted and you didn't come across well. Now you're scripted again. You need to know the difference between the United Auto Workers strike and what Ronald Reagan did with the air traffic controllers who were government employees. You've dealt with strikes before. You've been around it. Sure. What can you help the brother? Sure. What can you help the black guy running for president on the Republican side? Because believe it or not, you all do have some black Republicans over there. Yeah, I know. The uh, I've met two, all both of them. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but no, get back to the strike thing. Well, the air traffic controllers thing is totally different than United Hour Workers. One, exactly. like you said, they're not government employees. But more importantly, 
if they let them all go, who's going to go to the plants and, and make the cars? Where what Reagan did, he brought in the military air traffic controllers and ran it until they came to their senses and came back. So, you know, there's a big, huge difference there. Let me talk about unions. When I was in high school. Yes, sir. I worked in a grocery store, Fisher Foods, it was called in Parma. And, uh, any black people working in this grocery store? No, I don't think we had any customers that were black either. You know, we didn't keep any kind of black ethnic foods. What, what black? Okay, what's black ethnic food? You talking about soul food, chicken feet, that kind of stuff? Oh, that chicken feet. They never <laughs> saw chicken. <laughs> well, you know, white people call chicken feet now. I see it at Food Line now today, chicken prongs. 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 I'm like, what in the heck is a prong? This has been chicken feet my whole life. <laughs> now that I got bougie and call it chicken prongs. But go ahead with your story about the white subdivision in the white supermarket and no black people work there. No black people shop there. They didn't have black people food. Go ahead, my yeah, brother. So I get the job and I would go in on Saturdays. In fact, during my last two years of high school and all through college, I never had a Saturday off because wow. I worked in a grocery store. And so I was a bagger. So I would bag and take carts, get the carts. And when I was making, I don't know, $7 an hour, maybe not even that much. It wasn't much, mm -hmm. you know, because I was part-timer. Oh, were but, you? Uh, I was 16. So you've been working, you've been working your whole oh, life. I, that, that wasn't my first job. My first job <laughs> okay. was a paper boy. And then I worked in a car wash before that. But anyhow, so I was working there. And I got my paycheck, and you know, you think, oh, I'm making seven dollars an hour. You work ten hours, you got seventy dollars. So right. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have seventy bucks. What am I gonna do with all that money? Well, then you look at your thing, and you learn about taxes. Yes. You learn about taxes, and you learn about Social Security. Yes. And you go, oh, wait a minute, the federal government took money. What's this Social Security thing? And then the state took some. And there's union dues. I didn't even know I was in a union. FICA. Yeah, FICA. FICA, yeah. So I had to pay union dues as a part-timer, and I never saw a union representative. In Ohio? In Ohio, yeah. That, that was It was wow. local 880, I remember, and I still know where the office is. <laughs> and they would take money out of a high school's paycheck for dues, and they never did anything for us. I never got a raise. If I got a raise, it was because Fisher Foods said, hey, you're doing a good job. We're going right. to promote you to right. you know, some job. But they didn't do anything like that. But it was union. And I became a little soured on unions because I can see them wanting dues from somebody mm -hmm. that's working and they're getting the benefits. But a part-timer that's working eight hours a week, you're taking you know $10 a month out of his paycheck, which back then was probably a month's worth of gas. Mm. That really soured me. on. And, and then I've seen in businesses where union demands have shut down businesses. And uh, now I don't know all the details of the United Auto Workers. I do know that United Auto Workers did bail out GM and Ford when they had all those problems. And so I don't know if it's time to pay back that or not. But it's interesting. You didn't hear any strikes on Toyota, Nissan, BMW, Mercedes. Teslas. Teslas. You don't see any. Why is it just these? Well, maybe the name and not trying to be funny, United Auto Workers Strike. Now, from the UAW strike, Bill, from what I understand, it hit Ford, General Motors, and Jeep, which is the parent company of Stellantz, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And it says it's illegal, illegal under the National Labor Relations Act to fire workers for taking part in a lawful strike. So none of the big three have claimed that the auto worker strike is unlawful. 
That's interesting. But you're right. So you said a lot of the foreign companies are not having strikes. Yeah. Interesting. More than interesting. And what's interesting, if Tim Scott is going to be running for president of these United States of America, look like he would know the difference between yeah. what he can and can't do. Or maybe he's just out there throwing red meat. Well, see, if I was a question. candidate, if I was a candidate, you uh, are a candidate. Global. Well, here's how I'd look at it. One is why are these other companies not having strike? They're not unionized. OK, why aren't they unionized? Mm. OK, so you dig into it and, and what you can look at a company a couple things. You look at their profit and loss statement or balance, income statement balance sheet. You get so an you, idea. You actually know business. See, you talking like someone who knows business. You, yeah, you'd like to do that. And then the next thing you No, do, you talking like a politician who understands how business is and those things yep. that he or she is over actually operates instead of just throwing out oh, yeah. red meat lines. Yeah, you got it. That red meat stuff is just a diversion for lack of knowledge. Wow. And uh Wow, I never heard that before. Yeah. So the next thing you look at in a company is what's the turnover rate of employees? Mm. If the turnover rate is high, it tells you that dissatisfaction, there's something going on. So it's kind of like an indicator, like your check engine light. Okay. So then you want to go and diagnose. So what's what's happening? Why are people going? So I went to the Toyota plant in Georgetown, Kentucky. They make Camrys uh-huh. and a couple Lexus uh, sedans. Uh, they give tours. It's like Disney World. They walk walk you through it. And I went there because I wanted, I was studying lean business practices and Toyota started it or was one of the big ones started and they use it. And I wanted to understand how it was working. Right. So when they were up there talking, they have an auditorium where they do a video and you know, it's all good PR. And they, is there any questions after the tour? And I said, yeah, I've got a couple questions. What is your turnover rate of employees? Now they got to understand there are 9,000 people in this place. Wow. And, uh, he said, oh, if we get to nine-tenths of 1%, we're worried, meaning there's no turnover. Wow. I said, why attribute to such a low turnover? She says, well, we pay, we look at the area we're in, and we take the average pay, and we increase it 50%. Mm. We also have adult care, daycare, pet care. We have pharmacy on site. We have an auto repair shop. We have food store grocery store, I mean, a grocery store, a pharmacy, a couple clinics. So once you get on campus, if you got to get your car repaired, you could take it to the repair place. Right. If you got If you got grandpa with you and you take them to the, now you, they charge a little bit for it, yeah. but yeah. it's not, it doesn't kill you. But my point is that they're providing things that I as a consumer or employee would allow me to be a better employee because I'm not working about grandma and grandpa or my, so who's taking care of my kids. You know, if I got to go get my dry cleaner, I drop it off, pick it up, get my car repaired, credit union, whatever it is. I'm sure that some of the United Auto Workers do some of that, but I don't think they do it to the same extent. Well, that's similar to the whole thing going, picking out your own switch. Mm. You know, they didn't go get something that looked like it'll work. Back to that politician who looked like they're a politician, but they ain't no politician. But when you go out here and get something that works... Then when the pressure comes, that's why their number is so low. Mm-hmm. Cause when the pressure comes, Bill, cause that's what it's all about, because it has to be more than just red meat rhetoric talk or on the democratic side, just we're going to save the world. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's got to be more than talk. And one of the things that I like, not love, I like is, and this gets me in trouble a lot, but I like uh, elected officials who stand up for something. 
I had a um, good friend of mine, Congressman Mark Walker, who just stood up against the casino bill, in North Carolina, you know, and went out there and went on the limb. No, don't force this down these uh, rural communities who don't want it. Yep. And he stood up with them. And that was a hard stand because a lot of the powers to be says, no, we want casinos. Yeah. We want gambling. We want vote. We want all that, Bill. Yeah. How hard is it to stand up against the How hard is it to stand up and not be in the cool kids club? You yeah. had that experience. Well, when I went to the Stokesdale council meeting, when that issue came up, there were about 50 or 60 people at the council meeting against the casino and they all got their three minutes to talk. Mark talked. And, oh, Mark was there? Yeah, Mark was okay. there. He talked. And uh, I talked as well. I was going to give him an update on the school board, but I asked for a reprieve on that so I could talk about the casino. Uh-huh. And Mark and I were on the same page. The page is let the local community decide. Right. Okay. Give them a referendum. Let them decide. If they want it, great. If they don't, great. But that's their property. Don't dictate it from Raleigh. I mean, you can put it on the ballot and let the people decide. And that didn't happen, obviously. And uh, they're going to legislate it in and the people had no choice, but now they've backed off of that, which I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, I'm not against casinos, you know, like American Indians have them. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it's kind of like the lottery, you know, it's gambling. Okay. It's interesting on the lottery is supposed to be for the school system. But <laughs> I don't go there. Go ahead, Goble. It was, That's the biggest farce out there. So it was sold, it sold, it, money's going to school. And it was going to be incremental to what the current state gives. Well, just before the law passed, they literally made a little left turn. Uh-huh. And uh, they said, uh, well, we're not going to make it incremental. And they had a percentage, like then 35% of it was going to go to the schools. Uh-huh. And uh, they dropped that percentage and didn't put any percentage in. Wow. And it was at the discretion of the legislature at the time. So I know where this is going. And so the schools get about 26% now of it. Of the whole thing. Of the whole thing. And the rest of it, a little bit to administration and the rest of it goes back in the coffers for the the state. And, uh, you know, it's got to be tough to balance a budget. When you got a big budget like that and all the different needs of a state of our size. Right. I mean, you got bridges, you got roads, you got schools that you're supporting, you got a judicial system you're supporting, a legislature. I mean, there's a lot to it. And then all the social services that are provided, you know, you can't provide everything to everybody. I mean, it's just impossible. That's where the rub comes in, you know, everybody fighting over it. And then who's in political power and power? I believe corrupts. Well, yeah, but Bill, when it comes to gambling and casinos, now give me a now, minute. You just got back from Vegas, right? Yeah, I got back from Vegas. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with gamble? gambling. Nah, nah, I could walk through casinos. That don't bother me a bit. It's entertaining to watch, though. Well, isn't it? I don't even watch it. My, my you know, do you know we, what? We all doing? have vices. We all have vices. My vices is food, <laughs> so I have to be careful because food is, food is when you start losing weight and keep it off. Food is everywhere. You don't think about yeah, it. Yeah, you start seeing it everywhere. You see it everywhere. Yeah. But back to gambling. Now, I grew up in the hood. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a liquor house, Bill? Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of bootlegger house? Mm-hmm. Not uh, Never heard yeah. of bootlegger house. Uh-uh. Okay. Have you ever heard of the numbers house before? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, those was in my hood. That yeah. was my next door neighbor. What was, what was it when they used to do on sports betting, like? Uh, that's the numbers house. That's, that's numbers? what I'm saying. Okay. You, could, you could bet on anything. So, that was the neighborhood. You know, not all. 
So the people back in Charleston, South Carolina, shout out to Marysville, the hood, everything. So I ain't talking about everybody, but if you've been there long enough, you know what I'm talking about is some truth here <laughs> that we did have the bootlegger house in the neighborhood. We had the numbers house in the neighborhood. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And then later on, the bad thing about it, then we had the dope dealer house, the dope house in the neighborhood. Yep. They call the trap house now, the trap house. Oh, is that what they call it? Yeah, the trap houses. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I have but, no idea what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. It's like I, the first time somebody talked about critical race theory. I'm yeah. going, okay, what does this mean? And wokeness? Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, we've got critical race theory, and that's kind of gone off the burn. Now it's wokeness. Uh-huh. What do you think is going to be next? Um, The bootleg house. The bootlegger the house. The bootlegger house, or the dope dealer house, <laughs> or the, the trap house, or all those type of things. And we call them different things. We take the dope dealer house, and we call it, now of a sudden, fentanyl and and we have a problem with you know opioids and all this kind of stuff so now all of a sudden in my community it used to be dope dealers bad 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 and now it's like well this is a epidemic so we have to give money to it just how, how things change from the black community to the white community sometimes or as we sit there and say gambling the bootlegger house or people gambling and doing those things that's been going on for a long time but the state of North Carolina has some decisions to make. And I think black voters are going to be a big part of this bill, because for a long time, we talked about Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson running from the Republican side, who has a big lead. But Congressman Mark Walker, white gentleman, Republican side, is cutting into that lead like crazy. And then we know Jesse Thomas, a black gentleman, used to be the CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield in North Carolina. He's cutting into the lead. So everyone's doing well. So it looks like Odell's crystal ball. Walker is going to walk down Robinson, but it's going to be close right at the edge. That's just from the Republican primary. Now, on the Democratic primary, for a long time, you had State Attorney General Josh Stein, who no one was running against. Now, Michael Morgan enters the race and he's, you know, for North Carolina governor. Michael Morgan, former associate justice for the North Carolina Supreme Court. Now, that's going to be a problem because he's black. And I don't think the Democrats understand, but let me say shout out to my people, the Democrats, who I'm proud Democrat. Let me tell you what's going to happen. The same thing that happened in 2008 with Obama running against Hillary Clinton. At first, we told Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton that Bill Clinton was the first black president because he went on a senior hall show and did the, you know, that he was cool. But then when the race started, we were supporting Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton was Hillary Clinton. And then the white people in Iowa, which is where it's a pledge delegate, no caucus, Iowa's a caucus, Obama won 38% and Hillary got 29%. And we like, whoa, wait a minute. This black guy actually won? With the funny name actually won? And then New Hampshire, which is a pledge delegate, Obama got 13 of the delegates and Hillary got nine. And then Michigan, Nevada, South Carolina. And that's where Clinton got in trouble because he started trying to muddy the waters and kind of throw some shade on Obama. And the black people in South Carolina said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. Wait a minute, Bill. Back off. Now, we know you are a guy, but the black people, because it was Jim Clyburn, you know, the black people in South Carolina like this black candidate. And that's when Hillary knew she was in trouble hmm. and eventually played herself out. And Hillary got beat. But Hillary didn't quit. She stayed to the end. She should have quit, but she didn't because she hurt the party. But at the end of the day, Obama won. Now, I think Michael Morgan is going to take Josh Stein down the same road, because I don't think the people 
understand that black folk is going to look at this black candidate, not because he's black, because he's qualified. And then I've met Josh Stein before. They're going to question Stein like I did before. What's your plan? What's your plan? So Stein's going to have to talk about what's his plan. And a lot of it's going to evolve around black justice and two tier justices, because here's one is the state attorney general, Josh Stein. And then here's another gentleman who's from a very prominent family in Eastern North Carolina, Bill, who's been a judge on the Supreme Court. So trust me, the whole governmental race, the governor, this whole race is going to get crazy going down the line. And it's going to be black folk right all up in there from the Republican side, from Democratic side, from both sides. Yeah, I think you're right. So what I'm hearing is there'll be two blacks running for governor, one Democrat, one white. It'll be, I think when it's all said and done, it's quite possible that the Republican primary will have a black gentleman, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, neck and neck with a white gentleman, Congressman Mark Walker. That's on the Republican side. Now, Jesse Thomas, Jesse's my guy. Jesse announced his candidacy on our podcast. So shout out to you, Jesse. But I just I don't see you getting there yet, but I might be wrong. So don't don't beat me up. And then on the Democratic part, I see Michael Morgan taking what the gentleman, what's his name again, Bill, from um, the who's running on the Democratic side now for governor. Uh, hold on a minute. Here it is. It's simple. Josh Stein. Josh, it just slipped my mind. You know, I know your name just slipped my mind. But I think Michael's going to give him a run because Michael is from a prominent family in eastern North Carolina. Eastern North Carolina, usually Republicans, not Democrats. But the black folk over there who are Democrats going to vote for Morgan, not Stein. And that's going to be an issue because eastern North Carolina carries a lot of weight, especially in the primaries. And then when you come to the urban areas, the cities where black folk hang out and they look at Stein and they look at Michael Morgan. Morgan's going to be tough to beat, but I don't think Stein and his camp knows that yet. So because Governor Cooper endorsed Stein, Cooper's a Democrat, for those who don't know, endorsed Josh Stein a week before Michael Morgan made his announcement. So Cooper can say, well, I didn't know. But like anybody in politics, we all know way before an announcement is made. So politics, Bill, politics is interesting. And as you know, Vice President Kamala Harris has really, they got a strategy just working for everyone. They're going around to the HBCUs, some other colleges and getting the young people involved. What do you think about that since that's where you went? I think it's great to get any young people involved. I think uh, for them to get involved and vote and see how the process works and have a voice my viewpoint is if you're not voting, you don't have a right to criticize. Wow. Say that again. If you're not voting, you don't have a right to criticize. Okay. You're not part of the system. And uh, so you don't get a vote if you do that. Sorry. If you want to get involved, at least go vote. Okay. You may want to do more, but at least go vote. So I think it's a great thing. I, I think the fact that she's going to just the black universities, I'd like to see her do more than that. Well, I think it's more than just the black ones, but she started. Let me just see, because I might be wrong. Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia, North Carolina A&T State in Greensboro, North Carolina, Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, University of Wisconsin-Madison in Madison, Wisconsin. I don't think that's black. College of Southern Nevada and Las Vegas, Nevada, Southern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona. So she's going to some other schools, not just... HB HBCUs, but you know, 
They call it the Fight for Our Freedom College Tour. Yeah, I think that makes sense to go. And those swing those. states, baby. Yeah, swing she, states. Yeah, she's not going to Rhode Island. No, 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 no. And she's not going to South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, well, why when, not South Carolina? Yeah. When I run for re-election for school board seat, you know, we have like about 30 precincts. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to look into where the, where the voters are that are voting, that are active. And that's where I'm going to hang out. Wow. And talk to him. So we're in the process of analyzing that. I got some people helping me with that. So, Bill, so, so you, so being back to, and I know we're heading toward close, but back to my analogy with go get your switch. Mm-hmm. You go get the one that looks like, but it's not what it is. It's weak, it's, it's tall. Then you get the other one that's short, or you get what was your uncle's who with the cane name was? Uh, Uncle Ed. So Uncle Ed had a cane. Oh, yeah. And you knew Uncle Ed Kane wasn't going to break. No. So and you, you get an instrument that you work with that under pressure it won't break. Well, why do a lot of politicians break? We got a lot of them nationally now breaking down under the pressure. We have a lot of them statewide breaking down under pressure. We have a lot of them locally breaking down under the pressure. So the question is, are they qualified to sit in the seat? I'd say probably not. Running a school board or running a city there's a lot of moving pieces. And if you're going to do a good job, you need to understand it. And you can't do that part-time. You can't do it from a distance. You have to really get into the details to make a difference. And a lot of politicians are in there just because it's a political thing. It makes them feel good. There's certain people that, and, and I find the longer you stay in an office, if you're doing it right, mm-hmm. you're understanding the issues. I'll give you an example. You're a pastor. Yep. If you were a pastor that went from different church to different church once a month, how much would you understand that church? Not much at all. No. Not much at all. Yeah, and that's that's my point. If you're going to be a leader, then get involved in the details and lead. In fact, I was just looking. I just got an email. From- not, for, not for my guy who called you your lefty. What did he call me last night? Your leftist, double T with your leftist, yeah. pastor guy. Yeah. Not that guy. Oh, yeah. either, right? That guy is a bozo. Okay. Uh, the... Uh, but the uh, it's interesting. The uh, I think is if you want to do a good job, you got to get in details. And I just got an email from the maintenance department at the Guilford County School, and I'm going to call them when we're done here. They've got a couple things going on, and I want to get involved with them and help them as much as I can. So wow, there's 60 people over there, and went and spent two and a half hours one morning from seven to nine thirty. And you know, I'm not a morning person, right? right. So I stopped and picked up 60 biscuits with egg and or sausage, I think. And uh, we sat down and talked. And uh, so Whitney Oakley, the superintendent, and I are going back in October to do it again. Well, you know, you think the world of her. Let me ask a question, because she's a good leader. When's the last time a school board member went and talked to the maintenance department? Did you ask that question or you didn't ask the question? I didn't ask the question. Uh, She sent an email to all of us inviting us, and I was the only one that took them up. Wow. Well, in closing, question for you. Uh Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden is suing the IRS over tax closures after a agent testified before Congress. So Hunter said, you all are exposing my taxes. What do you think about that? There's nothing there. Who cares? Okay. Now, you know, Odell's prediction, Hunter Biden, again, and Bill, the interesting thing about it. They kind of trying to get Hunter on the Second Amendment with guns. You know, me and you both are real big old, you know, gun rights. And they said Hunter 
something about the form. I filled out the form, of course. I probably checked whatever I needed to check and move there. Did I read the form perfectly? No. But Hunter said, hey, somewhere on there said, if you are addict, you can't own a gun. You know anything about that? Uh, no, I don't remember that that uh, question when I did it, but I know how I answered it. I know I'm not. But he was at the time, and that's what they got him on. And here's the other thing. He owned the gun, I think, for eight or ten weeks and never had any bullets. It sounds it sounds <laughs> wait, like wait a minute. It sounds like, like Barney Fife? Barney like Barney, Barney Fife or Mayberry RFD? Yeah. yeah. So he's walking around with an empty gun. And uh but the letter of the law says you can't own a gun, whether it's empty or not, if you're under drug addiction. And I, I agree with that. Yeah, but we, well, we don't want to start messing with our Second Amendment because the Second Amendment said we can go get an AR-47932 with a, a with a sleeve and a rack this a zillion long, but just don't walk around with an empty gun. If you're an addict. If you're an addict. Yeah, yeah. And so they got him. And, you know. He's going to jail, Bill. Oh, yeah. Hunter Biden's going to jail. They're going to put him on jail terms and he may end up doing house arrest or something but they're going to do something to him no bill no house judiciary committee chairman jim jordan has made a deal with uh what's my man name speaker kevin mccarthy that they're gonna put my man in jail well then that's the case yep but it's some other people on the other side who made a deal they're going to put Donald Trump in jail. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate deal is oh, maybe once- they'd be roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Man, listen, more people are starting to flip on Trump. Now, can, I can't even keep up with them all. They can run for president of the jail. <laughs> Trump, Biden running against each other while the, in the jail. Now, now you don't understand. <clears throat> you know, let me help you out. This is nothing that I'm proud to say, but a lot of people incarcerated look like me. They don't look like you. Mm. So when you go to jail, Trump ain't running nothing. <laughs> Not nothing. He ain't running nothing in jail. Yeah. Biden ain't running nothing in jail. Jail is a whole nother thing. Now they got what we call federal prisons, prisons for rich white people to go in. Yeah, that's for rich Trump, black that's what, people. That's where Trump's going. But, but even those, prison is prison. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, Joe Biden, once he gets reelected, he's going to pardon President Trump and Hunter Biden, and he's going to say it's for the good of the country. Yep. I suspect you're right. Well, we're going to have to end this thing. We'll argue that one out on our next trip. Hey, like the young lady said, hey, what's my theme song? You know, what's my theme song? And Dion's on 60 Minutes, and he's got haters out there. And the super fan, Peggy Coppin, you know, received the game ball, said, hey, give me my theme song, Bill, because she called him the good-looking black guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Trump's theme song is, what have you done for me lately, dude? Oh, man. we're not even going to go into Trump. <laughs> next show. What's the next show going to be about, Bill? I don't know yet. We'll find something interesting, maybe a little controversy. We'll see. All right. Hey, Pete, Pete, come back. Yeah. Thanks for supporting us and come back because the next show, we got something to talk about. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. 
Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. 